Hi there. Welcome to our podcast for college Catholics, where we discuss faith and spirituality from a Catholic perspective. I'm Father Patrick. And in these past episodes, we've been speaking about the Sacrament of Holy Orders, primarily the priesthood. I think the Sacrament of Holy Orders is at the heart of what the Catholic Church is, as it is one of the main channels through which we receive all the other sacraments. So we say that the Eucharist builds up the Church and that the Church gives us the Eucharist. But there is no Eucharist without priesthood. So we can see why the priesthood is so important for the life of the Church. So understanding what the priesthood is and what its mission is will be crucial for the identity of the Church and for the survival, in a sense, of the Catholic Church. This is why... Whether you're a layperson, married or not, or whether you are a young man considering the priesthood, or whether you're a priest already, it will be most important for you to understand what the priesthood is, what to pray for when you pray for priests, and how to help, how to respect, and finally what to expect from the Catholic priests. So one of the most moving examples of the priesthood is the life of St. John Vianney, who was the parish priest of a very small town in France called Ars, from 1818 to 1859. This is why St. John Vianney is typically called the curé of Ars, or the curé of Ars, or the parish priest of Ars, which simply means that he is the pastor of the parish that is in the town of Ars, France. So to understand the greatness of his life and example, we need to know a little bit about the context of his time and the history at that time. Some years after his birth, the French Revolution took place. The monarchy was abolished, and the Catholic Church began to be persecuted. It actually became a bloody persecution in which many priests and religious were killed simply for being religious, for living in a monastery or a convent, or for celebrating Mass or administering the sacraments. So the Church had to really go into hiding. The priest had to celebrate, celebrate Mass in secret. Religious nuns were sent to the guillotine for the sole fact of living and praying together in a convent and wearing a habit. So as a result, much of the moral and religious life in the people, in general, was lost. Now then, and around the year 1800, there came Napoleon Bonaparte. And with the rise of Napoleon... The persecution ended, but the damage to the Catholic Church had been done. So when Father John Vianney was sent to this tiny rural parish in Ars, the practice of religion was almost non-existent. However, by the end of his life, in 1859, not only were the townspeople proud to practice their Catholic faith in public and proud to claim that they had a holy priest as their pastor, but many other people from all over France would flock to ours to visit the parish and, if possible, to go to confession with Father Vianney, or to see him at least. So how did this come to happen? How did he do all this? Of course, first of all, he was a saint. There were many miracles and extraordinary events in his life. But was, what is most important is that he focused primarily on his ministry as a Catholic priest the devout celebration of the Holy Mass, a humble life of prayer and adoration before the Holy Eucharist, 
a profound spiritual life and mortification, visiting the families of his parish, faithfully preaching and teaching the truths of the Catholic faith, and many hours a day hearing confessions and guiding souls. And these very simple, if you want, traditional methods in the Catholic Church were his main methods. Methods that were in a way simple, but focused in the spiritual life and faith of the people in his parish. So at the center of his ministry were the Holy Eucharist and the Sacrament of Confession. Again, his methods were not like super spectacular. In fact, some people consider him not to be a very good preacher. Even his sister said something about that at one point. And he lived a very simple and mortified life. He didn't do a lot of marketing or fundraising, but he centered in the renewal of the faith and the spiritual and sacramental life of the faithful. Always trusting in God's actions through his priesthood and through the sacraments which he administered. In a word, he was a faithful and devout priest, a humble instrument in the hands of God. It was actually God who did all the work through him. So the Sacrament of Holy Orders was at the center of that spiritual renewal of his parish. And Holy Orders is the sacrament that we want to look into a bit more today. It has three degrees in the Sacrament of the Holy Orders, or priesthood if you want. There's three degrees. The bishops, who have the fullness of the priesthood, the priests, or presbyters, and the deacons. And we will center mostly on what the priesthood is and how it is conferred as a sacrament. Above all, the priest is the representative of Christ. He's an instrument, an extension of the person and mission of Jesus Christ in the world. A, an instrument that is consecrated to God for the salvation of men. So separated completely, primarily and exclusively for the service of God and the salvation of souls. So at the heart of the priesthood is the being consecrated to God, dedicated entirely to love and serve God and to serve the people redeemed by Christ, helping them in their path to salvation. Now each priest might be called to do this in slightly different ways. One will have a more contemplative life, while another might have a more dedicated life uh, to the ministry with young adults, or others with the ministry to spiritual, of spiritual direction, or maybe recording a podcast. But anyway, there's a common nucleus in the priestly vocation, that is the service of God and the service of the salvation of souls. So at the heart of this ministry and the service for the salvation of souls is the celebration of the Holy Mass, the preaching of the gospel, the passing on of the faith, the Catholic faith, and the administering of the other sacraments, particularly the sacrament of confession. So what I think that is important to consider here is that many people out in the world, let's say, when they think of a priest, they are thinking on someone who basically runs a parish or someone who is a community leader in some way, or in some cases, a preacher. When in reality, uh, while the priest actually may do some or all of those things, the most unique qualities of the priest, qualities that nobody else has, 
are the ability to act in the person of Christ, particularly in the consecration of the body and blood of Christ and in the absolution of sins. And this is what the Catechism in this regard says in number 1566. It is in the Eucharistic cult or in the Eucharistic assembly of the faithful, in other words, the Holy Mass, that the priest exercises in a supreme degree his sacred office. There, acting in the person of Christ and proclaiming his mystery, the priests unite the votive offerings of the faithful to the sacrifice of Christ their head. And in the sacrifice of the Mass, they make present again and apply, until the coming of the Lord, the unique sacrifice of the New Testament, namely, that of Christ on the cross, offering himself once for all as a spotless victim to God the Father. From this, from this unique sacrifice, their whole priestly ministry draws its strength. So, up to there, the Catechism 1566. So now let us look at some of the specifics of the sacrament, particularly the sacramental ordination of priests. Uh, the only one who can come for the sacrament, that is the proper minister of the sacrament, is the validly ordained Catholic bishop. So the bishop has the fullness of the priesthood of Jesus Christ, and only so only a bishop can ordain a bishop, and a bishop is the only one who can ordain a priest and a deacon. So the priesthood is a sacrament passed on from Jesus Christ to the, to the apostles at the Last Supper, and from them, from the apostles to their successors, through, as the book of Acts says, through the laying on of hands in such a way that each priest could trace his priesthood to one of the apostles. So, as the bishops too, right? The bishop, I, I am ordained by a bishop, and that bishop has been ordained by a bishop that in, in a in direct line has to, be, has to have been ordained in some way back in time by one of the apostles. So, as in each sacrament, we also have a form and a matter so too in the sacrament of holy orders there is, of course, a form and a matter. The form is the imposition of hands of the bishop on the priest's head while he recites a long consecratory prayer. So this gesture, the laying on of hands, in the New Testament should be reserved for those who are ordained as a symbol of the power that an ordained minister has to call down the Holy Spirit whether in a sacrament or in a blessing. And St. John Paul II, uh, in one of his books, writes about this. The book is called Gift and Mystery. And he says the following, The imposition of hands is the continuation of the gesture used by the early church to signify that the Holy Spirit is being given for a specific mission. Paul imposed, St. Paul, right? St. Paul imposed hands on the disciple, St. Timothy. And the gesture has remained in the church as an efficacious sign of the Holy Spirit's active presence in the sacrament of holy orders. Up to there, jump on the second. So in that sense, it would be confusing sometimes to, uh, to have lay people lay hands over other people when they pray over them, as it is an external sign that should be reserved for the ordained ministers who efficaciously bring down the Holy Spirit on the people on whom they lay their hands. 
So the laying on of hands of the bishop and the recitation of the consecratory prayer are the essential elements of the rite of ordination. Now, as far as the matter of the sacrament, the matter is the baptized man. In other words, a baptized male adult human being, as the Catechism says in 1577. Only a baptized man, in Latin vir, vir, validly receives sacred ordination. Only a baptized man validly receives sacred ordination. The Lord chose men, in Latin vidi, to form the College of the Twelve Apostles, and the Apostles did the same when they chose collaborators to succeed them in the ministry. The Church recognizes herself to be bound by this choice made by the Lord Himself. And for this reason, the ordination of women is not possible. Up to there, the Catechism number 1577. So in other words, the Catholic Church cannot possibly ordain women to the priesthood because that would make the sacrament simply invalid. And that is not a choice of the members of the Church. It is a a choice made by Jesus Christ himself. Besides, on the other hand, nobody, not even men, can claim to have a right to be ordained priests, right? No priest has a right to, be, to have been ordained priest. The grace of holy orders is a, an absolute gift from God, something no human being can merit in any possible way. Now, another element of the priesthood within the Latin church is that the discipline of the church has been that those who are ordained to the priesthood must embrace celibacy in imitation of Jesus Christ himself, who also was celibate. And these men who are ordained priests must intend to remain celibate or chaste for the rest of their entire lives, for the sake of the kingdom of heaven, and to love God and the church with an undivided heart. So there are several parts, other parts, of the rite of ordination of priests, like the anointing of the hands of the priest with holy chrism, which indicates that his hands are especially consecrated to to consecrate, to touch, and to handle the body of Christ in the Mass. Another element of the rite is when the bishop gives a chalice with wine and a pattern with the bread for the celebration of the Mass, so that he may offer to God, the priest, right, may offer to God, all the offerings, the spiritual sacrifices of the faithful people, together with the sacrifice of Christ in the Holy Mass. And finally, another visible element of the rite is when the priest is vested with the priestly vestments, the stole and the chasuble. And for everyone, it's good to learn those names, right? Stole and chasuble, which are the external signs of the priestly office that the priest now has. So let us look uh, quickly at the effects of this sacrament on those who are ordained. First of all, the holy order, holy orders, the sacrament, configures the person receiving it to Christ by a special grace of the Holy Spirit, so that he may be an instrument of Christ at the service of the church. So through the sacrament, the priest is configured, made like unto Christ, in order to serve the church. So he becomes an instrument that resembles Christ. So he becomes, the priest becomes the representative of Christ, the head of the mystical body that is the church, 
and he represents Christ in his triple office of priest, prophet, and king. And one important element is that this grace of the, of the sacrament is done by imprinting an indelible character or seal in the priest. A seal that cannot be repeated, that is invisible also. Uh, it cannot be repeated because it, it's one for, once for all, nor can it ever again be removed just as in the case of the uh, sacrament of baptism and confirmation, that also uh, imprint a character or seal in the soul of the baptized and the confirmed. So in that case, just as the baptized and the confirmed, a priest is a priest forever, for all eternity. Even if he were forbidden to act as a priest for some reason, and whether he ends up in heaven or hell after his death, uh, God forbid, right? but he will always be a priest forever, for all eternity. And that also speaks about the fidelity of Christ, right? That the choice of Christ on priests is eternal. And he has done it from all eternity and for, for all eternity. So there's also a special grace given through the sacrament of holy orders to uh, the bishops, the priests, and the deacons, by which the Holy Spirit gives the grace to perform the duties proper to this new state in life which they embrace. The priest will now be a priest, a teacher, and a pastor, or as we also say, priest, prophet, and king. And for each duty that he has, of course he needs to study and prepare himself, but above all, he will be given the grace of the Holy Spirit to do those things according to the will of God, if he is, of course, docile to that grace. However, and above all, in the case of the priest, I would say that the biggest or most uh, visible grace that comes, with the priest, that comes with the priestly character is the power or ability to consecrate the body and blood of Christ within the Holy Mass and the ability to forgive sins in confession. And that is why um, I, I'd say that, uh, as the Church says too, that the priest has to be dedicated to these two ministries in one way or another, right? To uh, celebrate devoutly the Holy Mass and to uh, fruitfully provide the sacrament of confession for the faithful, for their forgiveness of the sins. So both these things, together with the duty of preaching, giving spiritual counsel, and directing others, are geared toward the conversion and the sanctification of souls. And from there comes the great uh, obligation that the priest has to be in a constant process of conversion, right? Always trying to turn away from sin and trying to be more open to the grace of God, striving to stay away from sin and grow in holiness in order to conform himself, his moral life and his spiritual life to the person of Jesus Christ whom he ought to represent. And this is why I encourage you and I ask you to pray constantly, every day, for priests, for all the priests in the church, for the priest speaking in this podcast, for your local priest, for your confessor, and for an increase of vocations to the priesthood. So let me finish with the words of St. John Vianney, also called the Curie of Ars, as we uh, talked about him at the beginning. So we will finish with one very inspiring quote of this great saint. He said, the priest continues the work of redemption on earth. If we really understood the priest on earth, 
we would die, not of fright, but of love. The priesthood is the love of the heart of Jesus. So, anyway, in the upcoming episodes, I hope to address a little bit more in detail the questions about celibacy and why the church cannot ordain women to the priesthood. Uh, These are important subjects, things that are already settled in the church, but they are constantly brought back as if the pressure of the media or if the pressure of theologians or pressure of people could make a change in the teachings of Jesus Christ. So thanks for listening. If you like this episode, please share it with others. And also, if you can, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify so that others may be encouraged to listen. So may God bless you, and we will see you next time.